Tonight we're going to look at two scriptures, uh, but we're going to look at one concept. Galatians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1. And I think I, I mentioned those things backwards. There is a passage of scripture that if I'm going to read some Bible translations or read out the names of some Bible translations. And if, if you study out of these or read out of these, uh, some of these will, will um, lend itself to you having wrestled with this question we're going to talk about tonight about the core of the gospel. And if you don't, uh, you won't. So, uh, for instance, uh, the Holman Christian Standard and uh, David Bentley Hart's New Testament, the New American Standard Bible, the Amplified Bible, the King James, and surprisingly to me, because I'm not a huge NIV fan, the NIV, uh, the New English Translation, the Passion Translation, the TS uh, 2009 Translation, the World Messianic Bible, the Orthodox Jewish Bible, Young's Literal Bible, N.T. Wright's uh, The Kingdom New Testament, the Mirror Bible, and the Weymouth Translation, all translate uh, these words that we're going to look at today in Galatians 1.16 and Colossians 1.27. Uh, translate them all in uh, with the word in. Okay? In, the, in. Here's some Bibles that are different. The uh, English Standard Version, the Message, the uh, uh, Complete Jewish Bible, the Good News Bible, the New Living Translation, the Revised Standard Translation, all translate the words we're going to look at as two. And so I'm going to read the passage to you out of the, in the NASB, and I'm going to explain why I'm teaching on it tonight. So I had a question come my way, and... Um, Okay, things are not working tonight. That's okay, I'll just have to get a print of my hand. So a question came to me, and it was yours, Richard, and it was about, now that we understand and, and, and are, are honing in on the fact that the Father really loves us, that we are really, and that everybody is really loved by the Father, where do we go from here? What's next? And so I was pondering an answer, and I came up with this one. We need to believe the real true gospel and help others do the same. Now, there's nobody that would argue that goes to church. I mean, you know, of course, we need to believe the gospel. And, of course, we need to believe the real one. Now, the reason that I was even gave myself permission to put the word real or true gospel in there is because in Galatians, if you remember the, the story, Paul was confronting the fact that the Galatians had already uh, turned, he called, to another gospel. And it was a gospel where they were trying to work for righteousness and they were just confused about the general situation uh, that was going on there. Um, if I don't mess this up, I'll get my clicker back here. So I'm not trying to be esoteric or, you know, act like, we have some kind of unique knowledge of the gospel. But there are elements of it that I don't think most of us have been confronted with. And when you asked me that question, Richard, I thought, well, really all we need to do is just share the gospel with people. 
and help them believe it, help them move forward in it. And uh, and then I realized, well, that that probably requires some discussion. It probably requires some some thought. And uh, I was having a conversation with Dave Doherty, and we got into reading these passages, which I'm going to do right now. And we both just kind of got, wow, this is something. So let me read. Let me see if this thing will start working here in a minute. And it was right after you left, yeah. All right, so let me open up to uh, the first one, which is Colossians. Chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading through, I'm going to start reading around verse 24. So Paul's talking about his ministry in both these passages of Scripture. And he's talking about the gospel as such. And he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do share on behalf of the body, which is the church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And then here's the part where I really want to kind of focus in on. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. So that's uh, that's the first passage that I was looking at, and it's the one that makes me think, okay, um, this is what we need to do when we know about the love of God, is we need to share that with somebody else. But honestly, just saying it that way and reading this passage of Scripture, it could just be us being admonished by some pastor, you ought to get out there and share the gospel, or something like that. Uh, but there's something in here that's that's special. Now, how many of you uh, read along with the New American Standard just then? Okay, so if, if you were, there's some words in there that you know the New American Standard italicizes words when, they, when they're inserted for clarity. And so I'm going to read those um, to you. It says, of this church, the phrase this church is uh, italicized because it's been, it's a translator edition. So, of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of, is also a word that's italicized, preaching of the word of God, and then that is the mystery. So, if you take those things out, it means that that Paul was actually commissioned by God, called from his mother's womb, to, to declare, Evangelion, preach the mystery. And then the mystery is described as this, um, that it would preach the mystery that has been hidden from past ages and generations, but now has been manifest to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Christ in you, and, and he's writing to Gentiles, and so he's identifying his ministry as one about Gentiles, that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Um, I remember uh, being at a men's retreat a long time ago up here, and they went to uh, the passage there in, in uh, I think it was 1 Corinthians, but they said, this is the gospel. And they started pointing out that, you know, it was just the death, resurrection of Jesus being presented before Pilate and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not debating that that's not the gospel or part of the gospel story. 
But I don't think that just standing on the outside, watching or reading the story in the Gospels of Jesus' death and resurrection is the whole of the Gospel. I think what Paul's talking about here is there's this mystery in the middle of the Gospel. And it's, it's a part of what's, what's really going on. So, let me see if this is working. Look at that. Okay. Now that's amazing. Okay, if you ever need a PowerPoint thing, this will charge in like two minutes and get you through your, your boo-boo. All right, so, Paul spoke several times about his ministry. Here's a couple of them. The, uh, Colossians 125-28 is what I just read. And so I'm going to get back to it again. So <clears throat> now you can see those grayed out italicized areas are the words that are added. And I'm not trying to make a huge deal out of that. because, But I do think this. I think the New American Standard translators, and I love them and I use it all the time, but they had a tendency to separate uh, and make Paul's ministry and calling and, and telling of the gospel something that was made unique to him as an apostle or as a minister. And I think that they've done a disservice to the passage and to us. And it, it makes it like, well, I'm not an evangelist, or I'm not a pastor, or I'm not this or that or the other thing. But it says, so if we just eliminate those grayed out verses for a second, it says, uh, of this I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the Word of God. Now, I've got a couple of other versions with me. Uh, one of the beautiful ones uh, was uh, Weist might fully declare the Word of God. Preaching narrows it to a ministerial task instead of a revelation. All right. The mystery, the Word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations but has now been manifest to His saints. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Now, last week we had that Jewish community here with us for the Shabbat, the Sabbath. And and they, just so you guys know, and those of you who weren't here, they're Jews. They're not like Messianic Christians. They're, they're not Christians first and then Jews. They're Jews that believe in Yeshua. And so Paul was a Jew that believed in Yeshua. And so his Jewishness is what undergirded what he didn't have to say here. So he goes, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been manifest to his saints to whom God willed to make known the riches among the Gentiles. So this whole idea, and you can think back to Acts and remember that Paul, uh, when he was confronted on the road to Damascus, he was, he was blinded. He was confronted by the presence of the Lord. He went away and, and was uh, in a house, uh, Simon, I guess. And then Ananias was sent to him by God to say, I've, I've dedicated, I've called this guy to go to the Gentiles and share this, the gospel, the mystery, the truth. So that's what's going on here. Now, here's the part I want to, to dig in on a little bit. If you can see that highlighted green stuff, God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then the, the parts I want to emphasize even more is that this mystery among the Gentiles was the, was the, 
target of what, what Paul was called to share. He was called to share the mystery of Christ in you among the Gentiles. Now, uh, almost all the translations that I read are going to translate Christ in you the same way. Okay. And, and, uh, but n- almost none of them translate another word, which is really interesting. And I don't have a, a highlighter here, but you see the word among where it says this mystery among the Gentiles. In a minute, I'm going to show you that it is the exact same Greek construction as the one about Christ in you. And it, and, 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 and we have to, we have to take a look at that and see why, why it was translated that way. All right. Uh, so this is the Galatians passage that I want to look at. Paul's still talking about his ministry. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. So you see what I'm saying about Paul talking about his ministry. His ministry emerged out of him being a Jew, a Pharisee. Okay, so this is it's a part of his thoughts. And the confrontation that he had with Jesus was a confrontation in the midst of him being that. Now, he does call it a former life because he stepped out of Phariseeism as his identity into a relationship with Jesus. But it it adds significance to our understanding of how Paul perceived the gospel and how Jesus presented the gospel to him, that it was a, it was this glory, this mystery, this zeal being carried over into the Gentile community. And the Gentiles were anybody that wasn't a Jew. So it was really everybody else in the whole world. Okay? So there in 15, But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I did go up to Jerusalem and to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more. And there's suggestions in the book of Acts where Paul said some 14 years, this is where he was at. He was out with the Lord. He was perhaps with the Essex study and whatever the case. Here's the parts I want to focus on. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And here's the words I want us to look more closely at. Was pleased to reveal his son in me. Now, this is one of the primary verses when I read all those translations. That if you read some translations, it's going to say, and it's going to to intimate, that when God was pleased to reveal his son to me, I think I'm going to show you in a second that I don't think that's what the Bible is actually saying. When God was uh, pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him, and here it also translates among the Gentiles, but it's the same construct, and a more literal, more accurate way of, of translating this, and you'll see in just a second, is that I might preach him in the Gentiles, or make that euangelion, that angelizomai, the, the declaration of, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So connect those two thoughts in your mind just for a second. Paul said there's this mystery that the Lord's made available through the saints that I now carry to the Gentiles, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ to you, the hope of glory. Nobody disputes that. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then he comes here and, and he says that God was pleased to reveal his son in me. So think with me about what happened on the road to Damascus. What happened on the road to Damascus? Lord, Lord, why do you, uh, you know, what, what do you want? Uh, uh, it's hard for you to, to kick against the goads. Uh, Paul was blinded. He was on the ground. He was led away. Then Ananias came and prayed for him. The nature of this encounter, for most of my life, I thought the nature of that encounter was that Jesus appeared to Paul. And the shock of it was what was transforming to him. But I don't think that's what the Bible says. I don't think that's how Paul testifies about that. Uh, what Paul says is that when God who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Now, I still think it was a shock. Because think about this. Paul was committed to the belief that Jesus was a lie. That he was a deceiver and he was dangerous to the nation of Israel. He was committed to the fact that the, um, the Christians, the believers, they weren't called Christians then, but the, the Jesus followers were, were a threat to Judaism and were um, wrong or heretics or worse to the extent that he was good with uh, supervising the death of one, Stephen. He was good with... Uh, imprisoning people, tearing families apart, and so on and so forth. He had gotten official documents from the religious leaders to go get them. I don't think that the shock that Paul experienced was because Jesus was presented to him. I think the shock that blinded him and blew him off his donkey and out of his position was that Jesus was revealed to be in him. in him. Okay, now, we'll have time to let this sort of gestate for a little bit as we go forward for a few more minutes, and then we'll have some talk about it. But um, I, I hate to put the word on it, you know, evangelism, but think about your witness. Think about how you feel about it. Think about how it's developed or not developed through your Christian life. Think about how you're happy about about the way you present the gospel. I'm thinking about that for myself, or how you're not happy, how you feel guilty over not doing it so good, or whatever the case is. Uh, I think this reality, and, and this one I do think is a reality. I'll certainly entertain questions, but it's not a it's not a speculation based on me including heaven in the cosmos. <laughs> this is just trying to look as seriously as, as I can at the scripture and at, at what the nature of the, the gospel is. When God was pleased to reveal his son, Yeshua, Jesus. Paul probably would have called him Yeshua, I don't know. Coming from his Jewish background. To reveal him in me. And then the next thing goes on down here. So that I might preach him. The word is translated among, but I cannot for the life of me figure out why. Because it's the same construct. It's a, it's aim, and it's followed by a dative in the Gentiles. 
All right, let's go ahead a little bit. So here's the gospel behind Paul's ministry, and it's the core of our gospel. The key in Colossians is that this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, and the key in the Galatians passage is that God was well pleased, or was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Okay, so now we're going to look at the Greek, and this, I'm sorry, but I'm getting in the weeds here, okay? Okay, so here is uh, this passage of Scripture in Galatians, in, a, in Colossians, I mean, in an interlineal. So the top doesn't have the relevant stuff, but I just wanted you to see the context. So to whom uh, God would make known what the riches of the glory of the mystery, this, do you see that word, uh, ain? It's translated there among, but I guarantee you that is not what that word means. That word means in. 99 times when it's, when it's in the, used in, in the Scripture. In the Gentiles, which is Christ, ain, see it again down here, in you. So the strong number is 1722. If you look at a strong uh, dictionary, you'll see a whole bunch of ways the word's translated. But if you don't worry about those too much and look at what the meaning of the word is, it'll be pretty direct. It's in, and it's, it's pretty solid. You, you can tell it's the same word. It's got the same strong number, 1722, in, in both instances. And so if we just let that word be translated in, like in is supposed to be, it would say that the glory of the mystery, this in the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of that glory. The gospel, if... Okay, do you see how translating that as the word among makes you think that Paul's mission was just to be a missionary over in Mesopotamia someplace? It's like this isn't even talking about the gospel. It's just talking about Paul's assignment. You need to go out among the Gentiles. But this is talking about the gospel. It says that this mystery, which has been hidden and is now God making it known, it's, it's a mystery that is in the Gentiles. Not among them. In the Gentiles. And that mystery is, to you Gentiles, is that Christ is in you. Now, if you've been like me, and you thought that the gospel and the message of the gospel, thanks, Greg. I've already disrupted everybody. You don't need to sneak around, I don't think. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys' patience. Do you understand the potential ramification if the faith that we are called to embrace and the life in Christ that we have been given is not something that comes from the outside of us as a presentation that we make a choice to either accept or reject, and then we carry that to somebody else and pass on that same choice to them. And I confess, that's what I thought the gospel was for a long time, years. It was first challenged when I realized that there were aspects of the scripture that talked about the gospel that blew apart this idea of separation. And I, I don't have time to go into the whole thing tonight, but 
I, I believe that the scripture is pretty clear that separation is a myth. Meaning the separation between us and God because of our sins. And so when Richard, you asked that question, as powerful, and, in, and, and I'm reading something into your question because I know you, but as powerful as this knowledge of the love of God is, I mean, it's, it touches every area of our life. The, if the Father loves you, you're not isolated. You're not alone. You're not, uh, there's no reason to be ashamed. There's not even a reason to hesitate when you, when you screw up and go before him. And of course, that's what the scripture says, that we're to come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. But most of us don't live that way, and most of the people we know don't live that way. Most of the people do everything they can possibly do to try to live in some righteous way preemptively so that they don't either disappoint God or end up being separated from Him somehow and and having to get, you know, I mean, back in my younger days, I was a, a Southern Baptist, and oh my God, we had to rededicate our lives like every so often, you know. And, and it was because we thought that. We thought, we thought that this is a maintenance process, not something that Christ had finished. Yeah. There's an underlying assumption that God is in the Jews, mm-hmm. that we haven't said that. Yeah, no, that's so that true, this though. Is sure. Additionally, this is special. It's yeah. not what was, was understood. Yeah. That he was also in the Gentiles. Yeah, yeah. So is that true, that there was an assumption that God was in Probably by Paul, yes. The Je- the Jews, but I doubt that. And Paul... so the version of God that was in him was the shocker. Yeah, but I think I, I, I I'm just guessing because I don't know Paul. You know, you guys, you Hebrew. But I, but I'm guys. just I'm just just thinking that Paul probably thought about that as a Pharisee in a nationalistic sort of way, that God was in the nation Israel and He was their God. I don't know if he had a personal concept of that, but he certainly had one when he walked out of this encounter with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And it makes Romans make a lot more sense when he says all Israel is going to be saved and stuff like that. All right, so you guys see the point here? I mean, where I'm coming from, I'm not just trying to be um, weird or anything. You say him a little bit. Okay, so now the one in Galatians uh, is this idea of well-pleased. So here's Galatians. We just looked at Colossians. Oh, did I do that? Did we just look at Colossians or did we just look at Galatians? Okay, so now we're in Galatians. Oh, that's right. Okay. But it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal the son, his son in me. So I don't know if you can see the cursor, probably not. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so in me, in me. So the difference is huge if you think about it if 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 the the spirit of god if the father had revealed jesus to paul on the road to damascus it would have left paul with a choice how do i want to interpret this who is he is this really jesus uh what do i do with this but when he, when instead he was revealed in him, you understand that's an entirely different issue. You have to deal with that. It's not a choice, really. I mean, you can try to blind your eyes to it. You can try to turn away. You can try to go, I don't believe that. That's spooky. That's too weird. But that's what it says there. That God was pleased to reveal his son 
ain emoi, in me. Now, I would put forth that this is pretty simple language, articulating what the gospel is like, what, you know, in other words, if you're sitting here and you love God, you do so because Christ is in you. Now, the scripture says that, and we all believe it, you know, that, that, that Christ lives in our, dwells in our, so that Christ may dwell in our heart through faith by the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've even got Christian formulas and doctrines about inviting Christ into our heart. Did Paul have to invite Christ into his heart? It doesn't appear so. It appears that Christ was already in Paul's heart. And Paul didn't know it and got confronted with it. And it, it transformed, radicalized his life. All right, so now look at this, though. Here's, here, it's, here it is again. So to reveal, when it pleased God to reveal... Oops, sorry. Uh, how do I do that? Let's see here. Backspace. When it pleased God to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him... Look at this right here. Entois ethesine. Heathen's kind of a terrible translation. It means the ethnos. The Gentiles. Not among. Again, I don't think Paul was describing a missionary calling on his life or assignment. He was describing the gospel. I was confronted by Jesus in me. And then my eyes were opened and I was sent to declare to the Gentiles, he's in you too. Here's a, a, a bit of corroboration. When Peter was summoned to Cornelius' house, can you describe Cornelius' response to Peter's presentation of the gospel? Remember the story? Peter started saying, you know, I'm not supposed to even be in your house because I'm a Gentile, or you're a Gentile, I'm a Jew, but it seems that God's calling no man unclean, and he was just getting wound up and they all started speaking in tongues and worshiping God. There was no conversion experience there. There was a revelation experience. So, what do we do with this? Yeah. So what, now what'd you say? And 722. All right, so, so what is next? I think this is a central part of the gospel we have to consider believing. We have to consider, and there's other places in Scripture, and I'm going to, I don't have it up here. Well, yeah, I do, too. Come think of it. I can keep going here. It's not that the gospel is, it's not that our witness is a task to take among people. Our task is to realize that the Christ that lives in us in some form, in some fashion, lives in them. Now, if you go back to the beginning of the Gospel of John, uh, it says that that uh, his life, talking about the word of the Father, his life shone in the darkness, and his life became the light of men and enlightens the heart of every man that comes into the world, if you read in John chapter 1. And then if we go on... Uh, into the, uh, into the Galatians passage, Paul went out there 
not to preach his experience with Jesus to the Gentiles, to let them know that, that by the Father's will, Jesus had done this thing and offered them an opportunity. He went out there to declare to them, this unknown God that you have, he lives in you. And you live in him, actually, because remember what he said? He quoted their own philosophers and says, in him we live and move and have our being. And then, don't forget John 14.20. John 14.20 reads like this, and Jesus said all this in one, one breath, one sentence. He didn't break it up into things to separate. He said, in that day, this is that after the Holy Spirit had been poured out, and uh, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. The exact fulfillment of this promise the night before Jesus was arrested happened on the road to Damascus in the Apostle in Saul of Tarsus' life and turned him into the Apostle Paul. The exact fulfillment of this truth was manifest in that day in Cornelius' house. And this exact truth has happened in your life and in my life if we are aware that we are children of God, that we are followers of Jesus and believers. And so, now, this is a reality in us. And I think we need to, uh, I just want us to be able to talk about it. So yes, Ronnie. I feel like I'm interrupting a lot, but... Me too. Yeah. <clears throat> I was always wondering a little bit about in that day and just now either revelation or a thought or whatever, both. It could be when people like to focus on the idea of when I got saved. Mm -hmm. That's that day. I think so. Yeah. You that's, know, that would go one way that of saying scripture uh, of, uh, you know, this is the day, uh, that day. It's too late to interrupt. This is my last. That was my last slide thing is acting pretty strange. Oh, that's it. There we go. So, I, I have a couple of questions. I'm not asking these because I'm insecure, but I do want to know if I've communicated this. Do you agree that the language points to this in the, in the Greek? I mean, it um, It seems like it does to me. And so that the other question that I'd love to discuss, if anybody's got any questions about it, is do you, do you see that it makes a difference if God was pleased to reveal Jesus to Paul over revealing Jesus in Paul? And to me it seems to do. And then when I think about it, I think about the way I look at the world around me now like when all the, the riots and stuff were going on the streets. I felt one way if I thought about, I have a message to take to those people. That, that Jesus you know, loves them, that the Father loves them. Uh, but, I mean, my goodness, the hostility and all that kind of stuff that was flying around, it seemed like, I don't think they're able to make that choice. But the thought of being able to go with the message and say, not 
that, that Jesus has been revealed to you, but he can be revealed in you. The God who created this universe. Remember in Hebrews it says, uh, through whom he made everything, that he is the creator. The same one that made the world that we're in, the same one that brought that creative relationship with the world into the incarnation, the one whose air we breathe, the one whose sunlight we bask in, whose nourishment we are sustained by. He is in us, whether we know it or not, in some way. Now, I don't know how to take that to mean saved and unsaved. I don't know how to take that. I don't even feel compelled to, to, to go that direction tonight for sure. But what a difference if God is in the person that you have an opportunity to speak to, to pray for, to love, to minister to. And then there's a passage in um, in Romans that uh, speaks about the Holy Spirit crying out in our hearts, Abba, Father. You guys remember that passage? Another one of those simple phrases that leads into that that I don't hear a lot of people talking about is because you are sons. The Spirit cries in your heart, Abba, Father. Not to make you a son or so that you can become a son. Because you are sons. And so when I do think about witness and I think about evangelism, I think about trying to bring life and joy and relationship and security and eternal life to know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you sent, to bring that to people. We're bringing them something that certainly we want the Holy Spirit to be able to say amen to. And if we're saying, God did all this stuff, the cross and the resurrection, all kind of stuff. He did that so you can make a choice. And if you make the right choice, Jesus can come into your heart. I don't think the Holy Spirit can say amen to that. Because I don't think it's true. Now, I think that the Holy Spirit's work with that kind of a gospel presentation to reveal Christ in people. But I want us to consider disciplining our understanding to the Word here and presenting people with the truth that the Holy Spirit can say, Amen. Because they're not going to get saved by agreeing with what we say. They're going to get saved the way Paul did, by being confronted with Christ in them and the pleasure of the Father doing that kind of thing. So, anyway, that's uh, that's the thought for tonight. <laughs> and it's in response to, what do we do with this overwhelming assurance and knowledge that the Father is in us? And the answer is, we let other people know that the Father's in the same position for them and, and trust that the Holy Spirit's going to say yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, experientially, no. Yeah. Any questions? Any thoughts? Any rebuttals? None? Okay, good. I'll close. 
Make it quick. We got to get out of here. You had said, uh, it seems like maybe a year ago, the idea that evangelism, well, this stuck with me, mm -hmm. that evangelism is now seeing God in other people and trying to relate to what is it that God's doing with them now yeah. and talk to them about that. And help them, help them, help them yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, another way to put it, another way I would put it is, is if, if we know, if we have been, uh, if we have revelation about this reality, and if, if we, and I'm not asking by just to believe me on my sake, but go back and look at what this says. If we know that about somebody, it seems to me the, the least we can do is try to help them know it about themselves. And, and the thing that, that the, the, the enemy does, the enemy's the accuser, the brother, and the deceiver. One of the things he does is he, he speaks as if you're separated from God, as if, as if God's disgusted with you. He can't look at you. You fall. You stumble. He can't, he's too holy to look at you. We could go through those in short order, and I could show you that's not what the Bible's teaching. It's not what Habakkuk was saying. It's not what God does. But a lot of people think it's hopeless to try to get God on their side because he's holy and they're not. And the reality is he's already not only on their side, he's inside working for them. And see, it takes all the arrogance and all the exclusivity out of our particular denominational thing because, you know, there's a lot of pride in knowing that we know how to make the right decision. You don't. We do. That group doesn't. This group does. That's why there's 41,000 different denominations in the Christian world. This would eliminate a bunch of those because it's not, it's not the accuracy of our formula that's the issue. It's the awakening to the reality that Christ died and found his way into us. There's one other passage of scripture that says it plainly, but we don't give it much credit. And it's on the day of Pentecost when the people asked Peter, you know, what's all going on? And Peter said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And what Joel said was in that day, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not even all humans, all flesh. So the ugly parts of us, the part that we feel God wants to judge or that people think God has to judge or wants to judge or that wants to separate himself from, that's the very part that the Holy Spirit was poured out on, according to Prophet Joel. So anyway, I just want to submit this to you guys and I want it to become, I want it to become a part of our assurance about the goodness of our Father and where we can go with that. So, Holy Spirit, we certainly need you to do your ministry of, of taking all that, that belongs to the Father and uh, giving it to us and Jesus. We want you to bring to remembrance all that he said. We want to uh, have you interpret the scripture that you inspired, Paul to write and John to write. And I pray, Father, that, that you will change and create assurance from a fresh understanding, if this is accurate, if this is correct. If the word really says, not just that Paul was sent out among the Gentiles, but he was sent to the Gentiles to declare Christ in them as the hope of glory, then would you send us to a world that is darkened by misunderstanding and shame and fear? 
that we could declare to them Christ in them, the hope of glory, and Holy Spirit, that you could cry out, yes, Abba, yes, Abba, yes, because you are sons. Lord, we pray for the many sons that don't know it yet. And we ask that they would hear the message of Christ in them, the hope of glory. And if you give us the privilege of it being through us, well, we're grateful and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are wonderful. Thank you for letting me drop a bomb on you. Maybe, I don't know, maybe not. I'm going to run back and say hi to the Zoom people. And uh, just for a second. 